Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are previewing the BMW Championship, the penultimate event of golf's 2022-2023 wraparound season. And we've got the 50 top golfers in the FedEx Cup standings making their way over to Olympia Fields this week. And we've got an opportunity to win ourselves some money by playing DFS, by making bets, and by playing one and done. So we're going to cover it all here on this podcast. We are going to preview the course itself. And then we're going to talk about the golfers who make the best options in DFS, betting, and one and done for this week. No one does a more comprehensive preview than we do here on Mike's Money Picks. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button. It shows me a lot of support. And if you're new to the channel, please hit the subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. Like all of our season-long fantasy football content that we've got coming out, as well as our weekly golf and college football content as well. So, enough with the introduction. Let's go ahead and start previewing the BMW Championship by taking a look at the course itself, Olympia Fields Country Club. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so the 2023 BMW Championship is going to be hosted at the Olympia Fields Country Club North Course, which is about an hour south of Chicago in Illinois. Uh, It has previously hosted this event in 2020. However, this is a stark contrast to a lot of BMW Championships. As we've seen it throughout the years, the BMW Championship has been an event where it's generally played in either the Northeast or the Midwestern United States. Um, and they've kind of, for the most part, been birdie fest. Courses that have been pretty easy, featured wide fairways, big greens, where guys have just been able to go out and score, especially in the last two years where the winning scores have gotten to under minus 20 in each of them. Olympia Fields is not that. In fact, Olympia Fields is the direct opposite of that. Olympia Fields is a par 70 that it measures at almost 7,400 yards. The first two holes on the course are the only holes that played under par the last time the event was here. Other than that, the other 16 holes all played over par. That is how difficult this course is. Even the holes that are quote-unquote easy here at Olympia Fields are like 400-plus yard par fours that feature narrow fairways and firm and fast greens. So what makes this course so difficult? Well, first off, the distance. 7,400 yards is quite lengthy for a par 70. Most of the par fours here at this course are over 450 yards, so you're going to see a lot of long approach shots into greens. And there are three very long par threes, one that measures out at over two 250 yards, not unlike what we saw this year at uh, Los Angeles Country Club. Now, as you can see with the flyover here on YouTube, this is a classical parkland design with tree-lined fairways. So this isn't just a pure bomb and gouge course because if you miss the fairway big, you're going to be dealing with tree trouble. In fact, you don't want to miss the fairway at all. The rough here is grown out very thick and is super difficult to get the ball out of this rough. And if you miss the fairway, you're likely going to be pitching out or punching out and you're probably not going to be able to hit the green in regulation if you miss the fairway into this thick rough. Now, these fairways are also super narrow. So it makes it really hard to hit these fairways to keep it out of the rough and the greens themselves are very firm and fast and they are pure bent grass so you're kind of getting back to what we've seen with a lot of the midwest swing where we've seen a lot of bent grass greens there's also a decent amount of elevation changes here at um, olympia fields and there's multiple tee shots that require shot shaping in either direction in order to have an optimal tee shot and end in the optimal landing zone. In my opinion, this plays like a major championship venue. You know, kind of what we see year in and year out with the PGA Championship and the US Open where you've got long, difficult golf courses with thick rough and they just try to make the conditions as difficult as possible. Now, Kind of a personal anecdote here. They recently added this course onto the EA Sports PGA Tour video game. And I know 
Yes, it's still a video game, but even on there, I consider myself pretty good at that game. I score worse at Olympia Fields than like I do at like every other course. Like if it's difficult on a video game, it's going to be difficult in real life. Like normally a course is on there. I'm shooting minus 18, minus 20 easy. This one, I, I've not gotten to minus 18 yet. And I think that the difficulty, the difficulty of the course does show up there. Obviously it is still a video game, but hey, you know, a little anecdote there for you. So if you look at the leaderboard the last time this um, event was held here, John Rahm ended up beating Dustin Johnson in a playoff. There were five players that finished this tournament under par. Rom, Johnson, Matsuyama, Neiman, and Finau. Everybody else was even or worse. Now, when you look at that first group of players, it kind of feels like this course could play to bombers. You got Rom, you got DJ, you got Neiman, you got Finau, right? But as you look down the leaderboard, there are names near the top that are not bombers, like Matt Fitzpatrick, T6, Brendan Todd, T8, Mackenzie Hughes, T10, Brian Harmon, T12. So maybe, you know, this course can play one way or the other. I think at the end of the day, what you see from the last time this event was here is that you had either two paths of success. Either you want to hit every fairway or you want to be so long that even if you miss the fairway, you can still manage to hit these greens and you hit more greens than everybody else. If you look at the strokes gain numbers from the last time the tournament was here, putting didn't really like matter a whole lot. Like there was not a whole lot of guys that at the top that like gained an obscene amount of strokes putting. You know, there was a lot of guys that just kind of, you know, treaded water putting and ended up just being really good in the ball striking categories. And that was how they did it. Hideki Matsuyama gained 1.5 strokes per round around the green, which is kind of an outlier there. Around the green play didn't seem to make too much of a difference either. Brendan Todd was the best putter here. Uh, he gained 1.74 strokes putting around. Um, and then the best tee to green players. Um, you had Hideki Matsuyama and Joaquin Neiman were both great, TD Green. And then you also had, hold on, I got to find him. Corey Connors gained over two strokes per round tee to green, but lost almost two strokes per round putting. Uh, and so he still did not finish well. But Corey Connors was one of the best tee to green players here last time. Scotty Scheffler also had decent tee to green numbers. This was back before Scotty Scheffler became the Scotty Scheffler that we know him now. Um, now, in terms of comp courses, I think there's a few that stand out. In my opinion, Oak Hill, home of this year's PGA Championship, is the best comparison. Narrow fairways, thick rough, needed to either be an elite driver or an elite approach player to do well. And you look at the leaderboard, it's a lot of guys who were both elite off the tee and elite on approach with Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, and Scotty Scheffler being the top three with Bryson, Kurt Kitayama, and Cam Davis rounding out the top six. Now, in terms of other course comps, I think that there's a few that I think you could add a lot of major championship venues kind of check out for course comps. So if you're looking here on rickrungood.com using their tools, I just added all the PGA championships and U.S. Open to just see who is the best in their career at these major championship type venues. And no surprise, it's Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, and Jason Day as the top five. In terms of more specific comp courses, I think there are a few of them. So we're looking for courses that play firm and fast, have thick rough, tend to play pretty difficult. And so I singled out Bay Hill, Mirfield Village, and Torrey Pines for those. And the best golfers in the field at those three courses have been John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Roy McIlroy, and Tyrrell Hatton. So it should come as no surprise that the guys that are the best players in this field tend to play the best at the courses that match up the best because like I said, it's like a major championship, right? You're, you're probably going to get one of the big dogs that end up winning this week because that's just typically what happens when you see these difficult golf courses. Now, if you look here on 
the custom model tool on rickrungood.com that I'm using. I used quite a few um, factors into my model, including driving distance, as well as fairways gained and greens gained, um, and then strokes gained putting bent grass, long approach shots, course history here, and then strokes gained on difficult golf courses. And the number one golfer in my model ended up being John Rahm, followed by Patrick Cantlay, Roy McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, and Scotty Scheffler as the top five. Tony Finau kind of made some noise coming in at seventh, a little bit ahead of his price. And then Justin Rose was the first golfer in the six or the seven K range that showed up. Harris English was the first golfer in the six K range that showed up on my model. All right. So enough about talking about what kind of golf should play well here. Let's see if we can identify some golfers that should play well here. All right, so we are looking at the board with the DraftKings pricing here for this week at the BMW Championship. And so I got to get a few things out of the way. One, we've been over this already, but this field is 50 players. So everybody in DFS is playing over 10% of the entire field in their lineups. What that means is ownership on individual golfers is going to come in very high. If you are playing in big time GPPs, duplicate lineups are going to be very likely. The best way to avoid duplicates if you wish to avoid duplicates is to not spend all of your salary on DraftKings or on FanDuel. However, I've always been of the mindset that if my ownership levels are good enough anyway, I don't really need to worry about being duplicated as long as I have the right guys and the right guys end up going off. It's just, you know, if you get duped, you get duped. That's always how I felt about it. Anyway, what you've also seen this week on DraftKings, FanDuel went with their normal pricing structure, but FanDuel went back to the similar pricing that they had at the Open Championship where they minimized at $5,500. That's going to open up the door for more creativity this week because if you play a few of the guys from the 5 and 6K range, you're going to be able to really spend up top and get the right combination of guys that you want if you end up saving enough by going deep down the board. So let's go ahead and talk about the top of the board because this week if you're playing DFS you're probably going to want to make your stands this week. And what I mean by that is if you play like four or five lineups and you get like 40 to 50 of the players in your lineups, well, that the math doesn't support that. If you play eight to 10 lineups and you get like between 40 and 50 of the field in your lineups, that's probably not going to be the best strategy. You're going to want to play your guys and fade the guys you don't want to play this week. So I'm going to try to not talk about like literally every golfer in the field, but I definitely want to be able to evaluate it from that standpoint of making stands this week. So at the top of the board, how are we going to make a stand? Well, Roy McIlroy is the max or the top price golfer in the field, and I absolutely get it. He's been really, really good lately. You know, he had a hard charge on Sunday to finish T3 at TPC Southwind, but what you continue to see out of Rory is that he's gained strokes with the putter now in nine straight events. He has gained over four strokes ball striking in nine straight events, and he, you know, kind of continued both of those trends with the nine strokes ball striking and 1.39 strokes gained putting at TBC Southwind. So I see no reason to fade Rory. I think this course happens to fit him really well, where his elite driving of the golf ball in by not only being super long, but by being above average in accuracy as well. I think that really plays into Rory's hands. And I think he's just in a really good spot. I think out of all the top guys, he's got the best form coming in. So I can't really make an argument against playing Rory this week. Scotty Scheffler is an interesting case study because Scotty Scheffler, if you were not aware, played with a new putter at the FedEx St. Jude Championship last week. And, um, didn't really work out for him. I thought Scotty's putting couldn't get much worse. Well, um, 
it was still pretty bad. He lost about three strokes putting at TBC Southwind. And what the you know concerning sign is, is that he only gained four strokes in the ball striking categories. But Scotty's just been so good for so long that I kind of feel like maybe we can just write that off as one bad week. If you're a Scotty supporter, you're writing it off as one bad week, and you're saying that the putter has to start regressing towards the mean soon. If you are not a Scotty supporter, then this week makes all the most sense to fade him. The ball striking numbers are trending downward. The putting numbers are not improving. So, I mean, that kind of if, – if you're going to fade one of the top guys, I think there's the most logical argument to fade Scotty this week, which means that he's also probably going to come in as the lowest owned. So if you're an ownership guy, I think you can make the case to play Scotty this week. So it kind of goes on where you want to prioritize your lineups. If you want to try to avoid chalk – then playing Scotty might be the move. If you want to kind of play the logical plays, then maybe it's a good week to fade him. He did come in 20th place here uh, when it was at Olympia Fields back in 2020, and he lost almost two strokes putting, which should surprise absolutely nobody. So that is kind of how we feel about Scotty Sheffer this week. I think he's the ownership pivot at the top tier. John Rahm is going to be probably the most popular player because he's cheaper than Rory and Scotty, and he won the last time the event was here. I mean, I just don't think it sets up any better than that, right? Now, his recent form coming in leaves a little bit to be desired. He lost strokes in the ball striking categories at TBC Southwind, but watching as much of that tournament as I did, he had a few water balls off the tee. So I kind of feel like that's where all of it went. And for somebody who's as good of a driver of the golf ball as John Rahm is, I'm kind of willing to write that off as just getting a little bit unlucky and a one-off as opposed to a trend that you know involves some deeper concern. So I think Rahm's going to end up being super popular. So I kind of feel the opposite about um, Rahm that I did about Scotty. Rom is a guy that you play if you embrace course history, if you're kind of you know leaning into um, that aspect of it, but don't care about ownership. To me, Rory checks the recent form box, Scotty checks the ownership pivot box, and John Rom checks the course history box. If you prioritize one of those three things, that's probably who you should end up playing up top. Or if you want to get super bold, play two of these guys because it is possible with the guys in the five and six k range. Now, if we're looking at the rest of the guys that are in the ten k range that are not named um, Scotty. Uh, John or Rory, I think Victor Hovland would be my guy. So Victor Hovland, a guy who never loses strokes off the tee, lost 2.5 strokes at TBC Southwind. If you're thinking to yourself, well, dang, how bad did he play? Well, he didn't play that bad. He gained four and a half strokes on approach, which he does regularly, and he ended up coming in 13th place. So I tend to think that that's a pretty good sign for Victor Hovland. Now, when the event was here earlier, he was T40, which is not great, but he did gain one and a half strokes putting. And I think right now at this point in his career, Victor Hovland's a lot better ball striker than he was back in 2020. So I'll take it as a positive sign that he was able to gain at least somewhere back when he was here back in 2020. And if you're going to fade the big three, I think Victor would be the guy that I would be starting my lineups with. Now, if you're taking a look at the rest of the board, Patrick Cantlay is Mr. BMW Championship. He's an elite driver of the golf ball. Um, he had the runner-up at TBC Southwind. He, he's won the last two BMW Championships and came in 12th here in 2020. I would tend to think he's going to be pretty popular as well. I think Rom Cantlay is, as a starting point for your for a build is going to be fairly popular. So, um I'm not all on off board on Canlay, but I'm not all on board either. Same goes for Xander Shoffley. And Jordan Spieth, I got to say, I'm kind of like, I like the guy, so this feels weird saying, but I'm kind of good fading Jordan Spieth this week. I think the sixth place finish that he had at the FedEx St. Jude was a little bit of 
you know, kind of the Jordan Spieth magic where he just had these unreal up and downs, unreal escape shots. And I would prefer to see something more sustainable than that when we're going to a super difficult golf course. Now, heading down to the 9K range, Tommy Fleetwood is a guy that I'm going to be playing a lot. So Fleetwood is just seems to be knocking on the door, you know, all year long for his first PGA Tour win. And he just hasn't gotten it yet. And so what have we seen all year happen on the PGA Tour? The guys that just keep knocking on that door, they eventually break that door down. And I mean, Fleetwood's running out of time to do it, but you know, he would be the next logical candidate to do that. And so I definitely really like where his recent form's at. He's got three straight top tens in very tough fields, and he's done it being elite in the ball striking and elite with the putter. And at the BMW Championship, he did not play in this event in 2020, so we don't really have that history to go off of, but we do have his major championship history, and Tommy Fleetwood has been one of the best players in major championship golf in the last half decade. So a guy who generally plays well in majors at a major type venue, coming in with good recent form, Tommy Fleetwood checks a lot of boxes for me this week. Next up is going to be Max Homa, who is a guy in the 9K range that I really like this week. I was not super high on him last week, but I kind of like where Homa's game's at coming in now. He's been really good in the ball striking categories in each of his last two events. He's got three straight top 12 finishes, and he's a guy who has the potential to have spike weeks around the green with the putter. And when he does that, he tends to do really, really well, like when he had a runner-up finish at Riviera, like when he won at Torrey Pines. I think Torrey Pines is a pretty good comp course for this. Very long, very thick, rough, and he owns a win there. I think the TPC Potomac, which he won the well Fargo at last year is another good comp course. Very long, very narrow, very tough. And Max Homa won that event last year. And so I kind of really like the fact that he's got that going for him. However, the, the nit you can pick is that if I'm saying this is a major championship venue, nobody at the top of the board has been worse in major championships than Max Homa in the last five years. So that part does kind of scare me a little bit, but I feel really good about the recent form and I feel really good about his track record at difficult courses in the non-major category. So for the rest of the 9K range, I think that Hideki is going to be a pretty popular play this week. Um, he, he was third here back in 2020, had a good finish at the FedEx St. Jude, really just was you know lacking in the putter. Um, and I kind of think people are going to play him for that reason. Ricky Fowler and Lucas Glover are the two guys that I'm like, salute. I will catch up with you another time. I think we've seen the best of you this season. Ricky got his win at the Rocket Mortgage and has just been kind of mediocre since. Lucas Glover has won back-to-back -back weeks. Now, I just think the likelihood of him continuing what he's doing just isn't that likely. That's me. Um, and so I'm kind of willing to just fade him this week. And if that burns me, it burns me. He might just play himself onto the Ryder Cup team in Justin Thomas' spot. So um, I don't really... I just, I'm kind of off on Lucas Glover this week. I don't think he's going to win three times in a row. It's very difficult to do. All right, so heading to the 8K range. The first thing that stood out to me was how expensive Corey Connors was. But then you look at the stats, and he's got a lot going for him. He's been really good off the tee for pretty much this entire calendar year, and he has the potential to have spike weeks on approach. And when he doesn't, the putter has been pretty good this year. And we know that Oak Hill was one of my comp courses. Well, he was 
tied for the lead heading into Saturday. I believe he was tied. If he wasn't tied, he was close to it. And then he ends up coming in 12th place at Oak Hill. At this event in 2020, he was one of the best tee to green players. He was just the absolute worst putter. He lost almost eight strokes putting, uh, and he came in 33rd place. So I kind of would hope that he's righted the ship a little bit with the putter and, and hope that he's able to do that. What I think might scare some people off of Corey Connors is the fact that like I said, my first instinct when I saw that was, holy crap, Corey Connors is expensive. And I think that might scare some people off. And I'm kind of okay with a really low-owned Corey Connors this week. I think that might be a really solid play. Wyndham Clark is the next guy in the uh, 8K range that I like. And I'm willing to kind of just chalk it up at the FedEx St. Jude to just one bad week and really one bad round. Like he played his way out of the tournament pretty much on Friday and I never want to get in the guy's head, but I kind of feel like he just mailed it in over the weekend after that. Um, so I really do think that this could be a good bounce back spot for him because who have we seen over the course of this year that has played well at major championship type venues, that has played well at long golf courses and is both long and accurate with the driver? That's Wyndham Clark. He, he checks off all those boxes. He's really good at long approaches as evidenced by his wins at Quail Hollow and at LA Country Club. And so I kind of think that this sets up really well for Wyndham Clark. And I really think this is a good spot to go to him. I actually really like Wyndham Clark in a format like DFS or in a format like Jock Market, if you have ever played Jock Market, um, uh, where he just has to kind of beat out what his expected finishing position is. Now, if you have never played Jock Market before, let me show you something. So we are now partnered with Sign Up Expert. And what Sign Up Expert does is it will sync to your location and it will show you all of the best DFS player props and sports book sites that are available in your area. And you will get the best offers and promo codes for new users that are available. And if you use my links, it'll show me some support as well. Jock Market is one that's on there. They'll uh, 100% Deposit your first match. I've recently tried it and I really enjoy it. It's all about finding guys that might not necessarily win the tournament, but can outplay their expectation. And I think Wyndham Clark is a great guy in a format like that this week. Next up is going to be Tom Kim. I think this could be a Tom Kim course in the way that Brendan Todd and Brian Harmon played well here back in 2020, where you have guys that are not long off the tee, but are hitting every fairway and hitting every green. And Tom Kim has the ability to do that. And oh yeah, he has the ability to spike with the putter as well. When he was a runner up at Royal Liverpool, he gained over seven strokes putting. So you've got a guy who is going to find himself in the fairway, should be able to hit a lot of greens and has the capability to have that spike week with the putter. I think this is a really good spot for Tom Kim. If you were concerned about the ankle injury he has sustained at the Open, he came in 24th place last week at the FedEx St. Jude. And I kind of think that that's good enough for me to, you know, just assure me that the injury is not going to be an issue. Last up in the 8K range that I want to talk about is Tony Finau. So Finau last week came in 64th place out of 70, which is um, not great. It's the bottom 10%. But if you look at the stats, it was all because of the putter. And it was really like the worst putting tournament of his career. And so I kind of think that with Finau, I'm willing to let people fade him because of his recent form. It has not been good. But what I like is I think his skill set plays well at this course. He's a good driver of the golf ball. He's really good at long approaches, which you're going to have a lot of this week. And oh yeah, by the way, did I mention that he came in third place here? I'm sorry, fifth place here the last time the tournament was here, and he gained four strokes putting. So I really do think that 
everything sets up well for Tony Finau this week. And I really hope that a lot of people are going to get off of him because they see how bad the recent form has been instead of thinking about what his long-term skill set is and how it fits this course. I really hope we do get a low on Tony Finau this week. He's probably going to be one of my favorite plays. Now, that does it for the 8K range. Um, before we move on, though, I do want to talk about this low 8K range, though, um, of Russell Henley, Brian Harmon, and Matt Fitzpatrick. They're kind of the guys that could fit the mold for the short hitter who hits the fairways, hits the greens, and plays well here. They all came in the top 25 the last time the tournament was here. They're all playing really good golf recently, well, except for Matt Fitzpatrick. But Russell Henley and Brian Harmon are playing some really good golf. Um, and Matt Fitzpatrick, we've seen him win at a major. He was sixth place here in 2020. I kind of see the merits in playing all three of those guys. Now, heading into the 7K range, Justin Rose popped up on a lot of our comp courses and has got pretty good BMW championship history, but I've got a favorite play in the 7K range, and that is Cam Davis. So when we think about Cam Davis, he is really long off the tee, and he has the potential to have these spike weeks with his irons where he just goes nuclear, right? And where we've seen him do it is at courses like Oak Hill, where he came in fourth place. A course like TBC Twin Cities, another course that has a lot of long approaches, where he came in 10th place. Sedgefield, shorter course, but gained strokes in every category, 7th place. And then last week at the FedEx St. Jude, he gained strokes in every category except with the putter, which he only lost 120th of a stroke and came in 6th place. His statistical profile is really good and his length off the tee and his ability to get high with the iron set up really well for this course. I am all systems go on Cam Davis this week. He's probably going to be one of my favorite plays. Another guy this week that I think is going to be very popular is Benny Ahn. So he's been really good with the driver this year, and his recent form has been pretty solid overall. Um, you know, starting with a third place at the Scottish Open, second place at Sedgefield, and last week he was T37 at the FedEx St. Jude. But I think the reason a lot of people are going to be on him is because of his history here at this BMW Championship. He was 12th the last time the BMW Championship was at Olympia Fields. He had a really good week with his irons and just kind of treaded water um, in the short game categories. And, you know, that's a pretty solid finish for Benny on and if he gives you that 12th pace finish he's absolutely going to pay off his salary I think he's going to be a pretty chalky play so I'm probably not going to be on him as much as other people are but I did want to mention the course history as well as the recent form and the course fit for Benny on another guy in the 7k range that I like a lot is Emiliano Grillo so Grillo pretty much historically was one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour, right? Just routinely losing multiple strokes putting. Well, he flipped that on its head about in March. And since then, he's been really, really good, really consistent with the putter, gaining strokes almost every event since March 1st. Well, what that has done for him is that has increased his ceiling significantly because he's always been a good approach player and he has the potential to be a good player off the tee. And so I really think that when you combine what he's done with the putter recently with how accurate he is off the tee and how good he can get with his irons, I think this is a pretty good spot for Emiliano Grillo and I'm willing to play him in a lot of my lineups this week. Now, at the bottom of the 7K range is a guy who was not popular last week at all, but if you played him, you reap the benefits of playing him. It's Sahith Thigala. 
So he had missed three straight cuts heading into the FedEx St. Jude, and he kind of turned his game around enough to come in 13th place. Now, where a lot of people are going to detract from it is the fact that he did most of his work with the putter. He gained four strokes putting, lost strokes on approach. But I kind of think that just seeing good golf out of Scythe is a good sign. What we've seen from Scythe over a year is he's played pretty well at major championships. Um, he was ninth at Augusta National. He was four. Um, 40th at Oak Hill, 27th at LA Country Club. And, you know, he kind of plays well at these events where they're longer and more difficult. And he's a guy that also, he has the capability of getting hot at any moment for one round. And I kind of like playing a guy like Sahith at a no-cut event where I'm guaranteed four rounds out of him and, you know, give him an extra, you know, two opportunities guaranteed to, you know, find that nuclear round. And so I really do think Sahith Degal is a pretty solid play in the 7K range this week. Now, other guys that I like in the 7K range, JT Post in his recent form has been outstanding. Um, his lack of distance is pretty bad, and he's not that accurate off the fair or off the tee either. So I don't think this is the best setup for him, but I think he's playing the absolute best golf of his career. Sepp Straka played really well at Oak Hill. However, he's had two really bad starts in his last two. I don't know if I want to go back to him for that reason. Keegan Bradley um, has played well at the BMW Championship historically. He played well at TBC Potomac, like we mentioned with Max Homa. I, I could do worse than Keegan Bradley. I wouldn't mind going with Keegan Bradley this week. Now, let's go ahead and talk about the 6 and the 5K range. So, like I said, you give yourself a lot of flexibility if you're willing to dip down into this range. Well, there's one guy that I think is going to be super popular, and that's Eric Cole. He just seems to just keep piling up good finish after good finish after good finish. He plays seemingly every week. He played really well at the PGA Championship at Oak Hill, um, and I kind of think he's going to be the chalky play down here this week. Adam Shank is another guy who's been playing some really good golf. He's a guy like Sahith who has the capability of getting hot, and I think when you're guaranteed four rounds of them, I think that gives him a pretty good shot. Brendan Todd, eighth place finish last time it was here in 2020. Now, those are not my preferred plays in this range, though. My favorite plays in this range start with Andrew Putnam, who is not great off the tee, but he doesn't have to be when he's as good on approach and with the putter as he has been. And I kind of think he's the guy that could fit that mold of like we saw out of a Brendan Todd or a Brian Harmon back in 2020, where he's just casually hitting the fairways off the tee, being really good with his irons and really good with the putter. And I just really like how his game's set up. One of my comp courses, Mirfield Village, I thought might've been too long for Andrew Putnam. It wasn't. He came in fifth place. So I really just like how this sets up for Andrew Putnam. And I'm probably going to be going to him this week. Harris English is another one of my preferred plays in this range. So last week, if you didn't have the strokes gain breakdown, you might have thought it was a terrible week for Harris English coming in 52nd at the FedEx St. Jude, but he gained almost seven strokes on approach. Granted, he gave all that seven back and more with the putter and off the tee, but if you can gain seven strokes on approach this week, you're going to put yourself in good shape. Also, for whatever reason, Harris English is oddly a really good player at U.S. Opens. I don't know why, but he just is. Eighth place finish at LACC, made the cut at the Country Club, but third at Torrey Pines and fourth at Wingfoot. Wingfoot is a course that I find very similar to this one. So I'm willing to buy in this week on Harris's English recent or Harris English's recent approach play, as well as his history at major championships. Lastly, you got Lee Hodges. Lee Hodges is a guy that I like to play at long and difficult golf courses, and 
What do you know? This is a long and difficult golf course. Now, at TPC Southwind, he's another guy like Harris English that if you didn't see the breakdown, you would have thought it wasn't a great week for him. But he gained strokes in every category except for around the green where he lost over five strokes around the green. That is just absolutely an insane number, and I don't think it's going to happen again. And we all know that he won recently at TBC Twin Cities. That's another long golf course. Might not be super difficult, but it is long. Uh, and I do just generally like his track record at longer golf courses. So Lee Hodges is probably going to be my favorite play in the 6K range this week. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about one and done. So if you are in any respectable one and done, this is probably your last week playing one and done for the 2023 season. Hopefully, you have a guy that you have mapped out for this event and have been waiting to use for this event. If you do, great. Use that guy. Um, in one of my one and dones, believe it or not, I didn't intend on doing this, but I have Scotty Scheffler remaining. So I think just as the year went on, I just kept looking at individual situations and being like, nah, I'm going to save Scotty. Nah, I'm going to save Scotty. Nah, I'm going to save Scotty. Whereas if I could have just used him at one of those events, I'd probably be winning. But um, I am in the money and I have Scotty Scheffler and nobody in front of me has Scotty Scheffler. So that makes me feel real good about that one and done. In the other one and done I'm in, I intentionally saved John Rahm for this very tournament. I think it sets up very well for him and there were very few other spots on the schedule where I wanted to use him and couldn't find anybody else to use. So if you've saved a guy like that, it's a very easy week this week. If you have not saved a guy, you need to play your position. If you are in the money or winning, play the chalkiest guy possible. Or if you can find out who your opponents have left and don't have left, play somebody that can potentially block them out. Like if there's a guy behind you and you know that you know his best player left is Tommy Fleetwood, then see if you can roll out Tommy Fleetwood, you know, to try to block him out where he can't gain money on you. You know, if you're behind, do the opposite. Try to find somebody further down the board that you can play that might be able to help you gain ground on somebody else. You know, if you're looking to get not chalky this week, I think Tony Finau is a not chalky play. Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rosen, Cameron Davis, I would file into that category as well. Um, but yeah, you just... This week, you need to manage this week smart because it could very well cost you money if you are in or out of the money right now and you make the wrong play. So to summarize all that, if you got a guy left, you know what I mean when I say a guy, like if you got a dude left, play that dude. If you don't have a dude left that you've been saying, play your position. Play chalky if you are near the top. Play different if you are near the bottom. Now, in terms of picking a winner this week, I'm going to be real honest. I think it's going to be one of the big dogs that win this week. That's what tends to happen at these FedEx Cup playoff events. It's what tends to happen at long and difficult golf courses. And I am going to make my official pick to win be Victor Hovland for this week. I, I really believe in Vic's game um, at a course like this. He won at Mirfield Village, which is a course like this. And he played really well at Oak Hill, which I think sets up as a comp course. So that is my pick for the week. All right, so that does it for this episode here on Mike's Money Picks. Hopefully, we're, we were able to give you guys all the information that you needed to either pick a winning lineup in DFS, to find the outright winner this week, or to win your one and done here this week. Now, we will be back for the Tour Championship next week. We will be back for the Fall Swing as well. I'm trying to decide if we want to start a one and done for the Fall Swing. I'm I'm debating on it or not. If you would like to be in a one and done, let me know in the YouTube comment section or reach out to me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. 
generally this year we start our one and done in January at the Sony Open. That's probably what we're going to do unless a lot of you guys reach out to me and, and wish to do a one and done that starts in the fall. But I, we will be back for the fall swing here. But if you subscribe to the channel, you'll be notified when all of our golf episodes drop as well as our weekly college football and season-long NFL fantasy football content. All right, so that does it for this episode, y'all. If you made it this far, thank you guys for watching and listening. Best of luck to you this week, whatever you're playing with the BMW Championship, and I will see you next time.